Yo, welcome to So You Wanna Be An Artist, the only podcast that's for the artists, by the artists, each and every goddamn week. Each and every. I had a week off last week. Did you miss me? Yes? Good. No? You should have. <laughs> <laughs> My guest this week is someone that I actually love. Do you know how weird that is? Big up. It's someone that I actually love. It's a fucking one of the, the greatest people that I've ever met in my life. And it's big claims, big claims. I'm not even breading. I'm not even breading because these are actually true things. He's a man that can go anywhere and there's not one person that will have a bad word to say about him. That's just the person and the the artist as well. Incredible songwriter, incredible producer, incredible singer. Just an all round nang guy. Man like so Ed much. Thomas. Thank you so much, man. Round of like, applause from, from the crowd. Big up. Big up. It's a pleasure to be here, man. Thank you for asking me in. Nah, thank you for, for being on. Glad you finally got to clear your schedule for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wiped man's I up, was yeah. surprised when I hit you up and I was like, you got any time? And you're like, yep, tomorrow. And I was like, oh shit. You've got to be that way sometimes, right? I was, yeah, too many, too many sessions. I think I tweeted something the other day, like, Half as much music this year, twice as good. Yeah, I, I had to, I had to retweet it, and I was like, "Oh shit!" That's why I had a week off the podcast. I was like, "I can't keep going in every single week." Right. You got to let them miss you for a little this bit. This is it. This is it. This is why I like writing shorter songs, man. Do you know what I mean? I'd rather leave people wanting more than like the six minute right, vibe. All right, leave. Hold off for the gems yet. All right, keep them in. <laughs> <laughs> we got a whole podcast to do. We didn't want to shut it down in the first minute. Um, right. If you have listened to the podcast, Ed, mm -hmm. I don't know if you have or not. Mm -hmm. I did about six weeks ago. I remember checking in, man. All right. I've got the world's worst memory. so And the world's refreshed. busiest schedule. <laughs> so the first question that I ask everyone who comes through the podcast, mm -hmm. what is art? Man, that's the first question you ask. Yeah, yeah. I like start an start easy one. With, hey, man, how you doing? Well, we did that. <laughs> yeah, we did that. Right. We've done that. What is art? Man, I'm not qualified to answer something like that. Well, you're a human being, so you are. Oof. Art, man, it's, it's bigger than me. <laughs> that's for sure. I guess, I guess, anything that's creative, man, anything that makes people. I, I, that's got you really throwing me there, bro. Like, mm -hmm. I guess, right? For me personally, I've grown up doing music since since as early as I can remember, and I think, therefore, if I get asked a question like that, perhaps art something is art is something that I've taken for granted like I'm so used to having creative things and people around me and being able to have creative outlets but I don't know I just take this life art is life art is life have that bro we'll settle on that yeah he's got 10 points for that one there you go <laughs> <laughs> I actually prefer art is something that I take for granted yeah that's I, I actually prefer that I think that's the real answer but and then if you think if you break that down that's what a privilege what a privilege that I can say that, that like it's it's so much a part of my life that I, you know it's rare that I get to stop and think like what is art I get to live it like that's that's lucky what makes you the artist that you are I don't know man and I wouldn't even so much call myself a, an artist so this is the struggle that a lot of people actually have it's like they feel like it's a bit wanky to even mm. be like oh I'm an artist mm. when really and truly it's a human right to be an artist you come everything this house that we're sitting in is art. This technology that we speak oh, through true, is man. art. The piano that you play is, is it's all art. So it's like to not acknowledge that is basically not to give I think humans I, the credit. Good point, man. And I think perhaps we work and exist in you know a world of the music industry where the term artist 
maybe mean something a bit different. Like if I was to go back 10 years and I think I'd be with you, man. We're all artists, we're all doing our thing. But I'd, I'd yeah, I struggle to, to call myself an artist in, in that sense, in the music industry kind of sense. Um, but I think like what makes me do the music that I do and, and write the stuff that I write, I, it's, it has to be an honest collection of experiences, right? And I think that's something I've been trying to learn quite recently that you, you can't come out and create art that isn't sincere to you or it doesn't mean something to you because it's gonna translate as empty to other people, I feel. So what makes me do what I do, I think just, yeah, experience of, experiences that I've had, I think. I think. Or experiences other people have had. You know, if I'm writing with people to click with them. Yeah. And try and access their life and help them tell their story. Yeah, I think that's what I'm about. What's that like, <laughs> kind of vicariously experiencing other experiences? Do you feel, after you've wrote a song with someone, do you feel like, holy shit, I feel like I've lived that experience now? Uh, yeah, I hope so. If it goes well, do you know what I mean? If you're writing a song with somebody and you can have that communication, like if, it, if it's honest, if you've sat down with somebody, and which is a weird thing in this, in this industry uh, of maybe you get chucked in with somebody into a session that you've never met before, maybe for two days. You may never see them again and you're expected to forge a bond, create a piece of, of music or art that, that means something to somebody, to them, to me, to whatever. It can be a difficult thing, but when it works and when you feel comfortable enough to communicate some pretty deep things or some pretty raw emotions with people that you may never have met, you can come up with some pretty special things. And I always feel privileged to have done that. Do you ever sometimes struggle bringing that out of people or even bringing that out of yourself? Yeah, always. Don't we all though? Do you know what I mean? Anybody that's like, anybody that's creative, you're gonna have up days, bad days. Like it's it's just part of it. And I think that you can really beat yourself up about it and that's what not to do. I'm key, I'm, I'm so killer at that. Like if I come out of a session and I think I've done a bad song and it's particularly maybe working with an artist that I really like, like, yeah. But we're all allowed to have off days, man. You've got to roll with the punches. Yeah, man. I feel like it's understandable. I feel like, you're expected to have off days I don't know maybe do you think everyone expects you to be like super bad especially with someone as a reputation that's like yours it's like I don't think I've ever heard of anyone who's been in with you or has experienced any experience with you and had a bad word to say about it that's too kind man there's been bad ones for sure <laughs> <laughs> we sweep them ones under the rug yeah they gone they gone um sorry dude repeat the question I was just I don't even remember those bad sessions that I've had <laughs> Uh, the expectation to be Superman. Yeah, I think like no one puts more pressure on anybody than themselves, I reckon. Especially in a music business where if you're not self-motivated to go out and kill it every day, like it's going to be quite hard to get ahead. So I think my own worst critic is myself. like, And that's something that you've got to monitor because you beat yourself up too hard, you'll find your music starts becoming a bit laboured. So whereas like I'm sure lots of people don't expect you or any writers or me in particular to go in and and kill it every time. I certainly go in expecting to kill it every time. I'm putting that much energy and, and good vibes into it. But, you know, hit and miss. <laughs> Are there ever any experiences that you like think, I really want to write about that, but you just can't bring yourself to do it? Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Like, it's about finding a language, isn't it? Like, sometimes I might want to write about something that I know that isn't going to translate well to a listener or might not mean anything to a listener or might come across as arrogant you know that thing that like my mum always used to say to me like if you've got nothing nice to say don't, don't say, say anything so sometimes you you maybe you know what I mean if I can like step outside myself enough to know that my mood maybe today you know maybe I'm feeling a bit down or low or like spiteful then <laughs> 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 you might not want to write songs about that because I don't want to put that energy out into the world but I think it's only recently that I've learned to just say hey it's cool not to write a song today 
think in the last three years, like, uh, yeah, I personally have just battered the sessions and I don't know if that's a good thing. But I look around at the scene of songwriters in London and I'm surrounded by brilliant, brilliant people. Workhorses as well. Workhorses. And guys, you know, when you look around at certain individuals that, you know, they're doing as many sessions as I believe I am, but they're killing it. The tunes they're coming out with are so good. And it's, yeah, it's great to be part of this scene, especially at the moment. Like, Does that intimidate you or does that inspire you? It's got to be a bit of both, right? Yeah, I think you've got so. To like, you've got to like, it's music and life is passion. And if you can hear a piece of music and think, damn, I wish I wrote that. Like, it's cool to feel a little bit like, ah, uh, you know, because that's going to give you the energy to go and hopefully compete and write something best. Dude, I heard when I heard Usher Climax for the first time, <laughs> I just stopped for three days. I was like, I can't, I, that he's done it. Do you know what I mean? Same with Snake Hips and Cass Lowe, man, when they wrote um, All My Friends. Like, and the guys rolled through to the studio and played me that, like in its really early stages, I think with Cass singing it. I was just like, you guys have killed it. Where every every step and every second or every beat of every bar feels like the right choice, the perfect thing has just happened. I was like, damn, I can't write anything today, guys. Like, you know? <laughs> but it's love. It's always a good thing. Like it's about good music being put out, and um, it's all right to feel a bit like, damn, I wish I did that. But then to celebrate it in the same breath as well. I yeah. think that's key. Do you know what I mean? Tell me about your first song. Oof. I reckon, well, I was in a rock band, man, back age of like 13, I reckon. That's when I first started writing things. And I can remember, I think it was called Angelic. Yeah. God, are you going back now? <laughs> and that's funny because I can still kind of remember it if I was to pick up a guitar. But yeah, I think I missed that. You know, there's a real energy about being being young and growing up and hearing music for the first time and, and such like a transitional part of your life and so many big things happening through those years you know like 13 all the way through to your 20s I guess like and so music was raw back then so I'm pleased I can still remember that stuff yeah that's, the, I mean? that's the best I, shit to ever remember in it and I swear like my job doing this songwriting thing is chasing that feeling that thing do you remember like getting back from school or whatever waking up or whatever you were doing and you couldn't wait to listen to a piece of music that just blew your mind and you could listen to that thing on loop you know what I mean? That was like, like me. I had headphones in at school all the time. Right. Teachers used to come past me and snip my headphones Are because you I wouldn't take them out. Yeah. That's not. I got man. kicked out of school so many times for fighting with teachers because they would come and clip my headphones. Cut the headphones. Cut the headphones. Yeah. Cut the headphones. Don't but even when I'd be in class, I wouldn't even be listening to, to nothing. I would just have headphones in my ears because it would make me feel comfortable. Okay. Just okay. to have headphones in my ears and just know that if I wanted to, I could just press could play. Pop something on. And this teacher chatting shit about fucking Henry <laughs> the Eighth would disappear, <laughs> and like Tupac or something would be in my ears, and I'd be straight like, in. All right, cool. I used to rock the one headphone up the sleeve vibe. And oh what? and then yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Put, yeah. <laughs> super casual man super casual I tried that and I just figured that I'm not I'm not gonna hide it fuck it I'm just gonna put it in my ears I'm just gonna sit here and I'm just gonna be an Go arsehole bait why not why not Do you, it's an interesting notion that whole that's what I'm trying to chase or that's what I'm trying to capture that youthful spirit or that mm. youthful intrigue mm. do you think that that's you're trying to emulate that perspective on life in your music as well because it's very music is a very sensitive subject mm. and everything is melodramatic mm, mm, mm. and extravagant so even the smallest little feeling that you feel can be blown up into like a massive firework display of yeah, emotions yeah. so do you think that it's but that's a very childish thing to do you know how when you're a kid something happens it's the end of your world like, yeah yeah too right but that is music isn't it there's a drama to it I mean it doesn't always have to be there's some pretty like understand especially at the moment I feel like with the kind of 
cool sound that's emitting out of like UK music. It's there's a lot of like reserved things going on. It's almost about the emotions that are being are being held back. Do you know what I mean? That's not always the case, but like I think that there's a sort of sparseness to music at the moment, which doesn't yeah, require this like yeah, yeah, yeah. huge, you know, Celine Dion kind of moment, like Kate and Leo at the front of the Titanic kind of thing, which is what I want to hit when I hit a chorus. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, I think music does that naturally. It's about looking for those small feelings or those small experiences and, and polarizing them in song. You know, it could be anything. It could be breakup. It could be relationship things. It could be like about, I, I wrote a track a little while ago with somebody that was about him getting up early in the morning, going out for a walk. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it was it actually turned out to be like more interesting than I've just made it sound. But like, it can be any of those small things polarized and the little details that you come across. Like, there's a way of writing eloquently and engaging you about anything regardless, yeah. I feel. I had an argument with someone the other day. Um, they said something. No, I said something and they was like, oh no, that's a bit pretentious. Mm. I was like, bro, art is pretension. To like, varying degrees, right? Yeah, like, a man got up and went for a walk and he had the cheek to write a song about it. <laughs> like what makes you think that that walk was so important? But the thing is, it is. Because once you actually examine it and you break it down and you start talking about it, that walk is important. Right. But go. when you think about it, the thought of it is actually pretty pretentious. Yeah. And yeah, the yeah. Koji Radical says, is a, is a poem still a poem if it's self-centered? Of all art is self-centered because you're just talking about yourself yeah. and how you see things and how completely and how you feel. And I think that um, I, right, you know, like Britain, I think particularly as a nation of people that like don't like people that want to come up and shout about things. We like support the under. They don't. Yeah, they don't want to do look at people saying? on the tube. So like, it's easy to call. Yeah, do you know what I mean? We are, we're quite reserved as a nation, and we don't like people that like call out or brag about things too much. I think generally speaking, I, I, there's obviously exceptions to that, but like. Um, so I think it's quite easy to call out people as being pretentious. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think like, but it's it's a personal thing. Look, music is a personal thing. Any art is a personal thing, isn't it? Like, if you don't believe or like relate to somebody that's singing a song to you in your ears, like, and if that song's really trying to like pull an emotion out of you, if there's a personal like discourse there, if you can't relate to that person, you ain't gonna like vibe off it. Do you know what I mean? You're gonna call it pretentious. You're gonna call it whatever you want, but, but that's a personal thing. It's like, yeah, that's what makes music music. And it's better to feel something rather than nothing. Yeah, I'd rather someone hate me than not care about right? me. Right? There you go. I'd rather I played a piece of music to someone and they, yeah, they tore it to bits rather they than fucking say hate, like, yeah. hated it, passionate yeah. hate. That's it. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I'm not okay with people like yeah. texting on the phone when you're trying them to play music. And stuff yeah, I, hate, like that. I hate that shit. That's a naughty one. I hate that shit. I never do it. So I just close my eyes. Someone plays me something. I just sit there and close my eyes. Yeah. Even if I'm not even thinking about the music or anything show respect attentive <laughs> but it's interesting you say that Britain doesn't really want people to stand up and celebrate themselves really and mm -hmm. this is another conversation that I had I think I might have had it with myself to be honest um, about modesty mm -hmm. and how modesty is just a bit of a lie like the people who want you to be modest are the people who aren't really doing shit with their lives because yeah. modesty to me is for the benefit of others yeah yeah I'd agree with that like if you wrote the best song in the world no one wants you to stand up and write the best song in the world. No, no one wants you to say you did that. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's going to make them feel like, oh, I didn't write the best song in the world. Do you think? Do you think that's what it is? I think that's what modesty is. It's, to, it's to, at the expense of other people because they don't want to feel inferior. Whereas if you start, because I'm comfortable with myself, if you stand up and go, I wrote the best song ever in the world, I'd be like, amazing. That is amazing. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> yes. And I would stand up next to you and I would be like, Ed wrote the best song ever in but the world. But isn't that subjective? Isn't the best song like whatever it means to you? 
you know, I could say yeah, I've written the best song in the of world, course. but it's someone else and like, dude, this is seriously the worst. Yeah, yeah, I'm speaking <laughs> subjectively. All right, cool. Let's say if you won a Brit Award then. Yeah. And then if you went, I won a Brit Award, people would be like, oh, come on, be humble. Be yeah. a bit modest. Yeah, yeah. Like, come on, so it's, it's just an award. But it's like, come on. But don't you think humble is good? I I love artists that are humble, man. If an, if an artist that's humble comes through and like almost plays down what you I do. think humble and modesty are different. Like modesty is to not celebrate your own success. In, uh-huh. in my uh-huh. eyes humble is to celebrate your own success but realize that it means nothing yeah okay like i'm the first person that will say yeah f- like whatever this podcast might have gone to number three in the world but really it it doesn't fucking mean that like, it's all yeah. irrelevant it yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah. make me know i'm still a human being and i'm still in awe of everyone that comes through on the podcast and yeah. i realize that i'm not the best thing about this podcast so it's like humble at the same time is realizing that it ain't you ain't shit <laughs> you might have got a brit award <laughs> but you come on you're just a human being you're just a man i think that that is being humble honestly i swear being humble in the music business is so key because there's yeah. a lot of people that like and what it requires today like i mean you know this podcast has been brilliant in exposing i feel what is required of people to become artists because in my experience of, of working with a lot of artists it requires a lot and being humble possibly isn't like <laughs> one of the skill sets you know what i mean yeah, so yeah. some people find that difficult you know musicians like a producer said to me the other day like just on a blanket thing we're a weird bunch do you know what i mean and there's some like and i'd agree with that like i'm i'm weird weird to a certain degree do you know what I mean? fucking proper weirdo <laughs> that's why i like you, you know what I'm <laughs> and i think we all are so then labels are expecting artists to come out and shout about themselves and like hey t- take more selfies like tweet about you like shout about yourself that's a hard thing to do i can't do it do you know what I mean? And in my brushes with being with a major record label, like I found that just the most difficult thing. Yeah. So I think being humble is a skill because then when people are humble and they come in and they like let the music speak in it. Like, and sometimes I guess people kind of know that's the deal. Come in and play it all down and then play you a piece of music that like blows you away. Blows you away. You and then I mean? sits there quietly. Like, and sits there quietly. People do that. Zach Abel, perfect example Zach of this. Abel was a perfect My example. My man, Zach Abel will destroy anybody at a piano. Like come in, if you're having problems with feeling any emotions or anything, go YouTube, Zach Abel playing the piano. Like let that guy that like, bring you back to life. Do you know what I'm saying? But then he'll just sit there and like, be really gracious about like and play himself down and i i personally like i, I really love that in that quality in people like yeah, engages yeah. me and it makes me want to jam with them like and tell them they don't know how good they are like, yeah, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like i think stormzy as well is a perfect example of that he's a man that isn't modest because he's happy to shout about selling out all being all over the world being a young black boy from south london but being in tokyo and that he has no right to be there and dude, how great it is he's achieving it but at the same time it. He'll attribute it all to God. He'll attribute it all to his friends and be like, you know what? Really, I'm just still any other guy from South London. I'm just out there doing it. Like I, I have untold respect to Storms. And absolutely, I, I think he's an absolute gentleman in like engages I've I've had with him. I think he's lovely, and I think that there's a guy in terms at the moment a really exciting time for grind music, and perhaps that's the scene that's he's come up with. Mm. And when I jam with him on a musical level, the guy goes so beyond that genre and it's so amazing to like just chat with him about his ideas like, i think we did a tune the other day and he said something about like i can see like i can see this being like a ballet or something and i was like yes bro <laughs> let's take it there like but yeah I, yeah and a very humble guy as well man an exceptionally talented great mm. recording voice as well he's you know how everybody says that he's like he's got that yeah he's a bully that's <laughs> but his diction is wicked like every word counts and it hits and like I think that's brilliant and I am so proud to see 
British music being exported to other parts of the world. Long time coming. Every man. corner of the world, as right? Well. A lot of talented people like now getting some some shine. Well, it's, it's it's actually surprising though when you go to other parts of the world how much people actually know about British music. I was in LA once, yeah, in like a factory rave, and this kid comes up to me. He's a singer, whatever, talking, and that he's like, "Ah, oh, so where are you from?" I'm like, "London, obviously," and he's like, "Oh shit, word, you know Ellie Ingram." <laughs> I'm yeah. like in some DOS house, yeah, in like downtown LA at four o'clock in the morning. This guy's talking to me about Ellie Ingram, and I'm like, "What?" He's like, "Man, she's the hardest, hardest out, man." She's, and I was like, "That makes me so happy." Yeah, yeah, that yeah. makes me so happy. Like, and it's it's actually crazy, dude. It's so true. LA, like in, in my experience of being out there, they really look to what's going on in Britain, in London, like the yeah. cool underground stuff, and that should give anybody over here making music, like that's out of the scene or wants to get into the scene that should give them hope man we don't realize how much the u.s actually look to the uk they they are looking they see us and when i've spoken to writers and producers out there when i've worked out there they see us as being cool they yeah. see us like coming with the cool stuff that then maybe a year later they pick up and try and do it but then here way. we have the exact same mentality hell yeah we always look to like them. the grass really fun. is greener on the other side and always. you get there and you realize it's actually it's just the same it's shit. the same but that's life isn't it and it's nice to strive stuff i feel definitely for me growing up listening to music and what made me want to be a songwriter especially was listening to music coming out of like la in in the 70s and the 60s you know particularly things like the beach boys or anything man you go back listen to some old sinatra recordings like mm. there's some quality man do you know what i mean but then America was always looking to us, like the Beatles and things like that. And it goes backwards and forwards. Do you know what I mean? All through like the last four or five decades and, and before. Gotta love America, man. God bless America. God bless America. No, 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 no. <laughs> let's not, let's not bless, let's not give no blessings. Okay. To like, no countries or nothing. Let's just give it to the people. God bless the people. God bless the people. Love Some that. of the people. Yeah. I've got right. hope for everyone, man. Yeah, I've got that's hope true. Hope and love for everybody. That's true. But they do. America definitely, yeah, I think, but it's an interesting cross culture, isn't it? And I think that like, it's so good to see Grime going out and do that. And like, you know, little things, man, but like Nas turning up to a Stormzy show in New York. It's just ridiculous. That's a cosign, man. <laughs> that that's is a, a cosign. cosign and a half. Love that. Like, Nas ain't cosigning no one. And then he just rolls right? up to Stormzy's show, like, oh, what's good? Like, you're. Stormzy, you heard you killing it. Just, yeah, just as a fan, man. <laughs> that like, makes me so wicked. happy. That's like, that's like fucking dreams. That's goals. That's real goals. It's beautiful. And, and you know, other things that I, I saw the last two weeks that M&EK has just like had his first billboard. Yeah, entry. he was on Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon or one and, of the late the night Ellen, shows. Was it the Ellen show? Oh, no, something? that was it. Yeah, the Ellen yeah. show. Dude, now there we go. We're talking about British songwriters. And melody guys yeah. and fucking music men. Emanike is definitely up there. Check out your Emanike. Check out his what he's written as well. Since the guy was like 14. Literally 14. He's like 19 now or 20 now. Powerhouse. Just a powerhouse. Will continue to be a powerhouse. And you know what? That's He's part of like a kind of a little crew of like amazing writers and artists yeah, yeah, in yeah. London. And every time I see something of theirs bubble out of the world or they, they make a hit or something, it's exciting. It feels like a powerful time for UK music. At I the tried moment. to get Emanike on the podcast. He tweeted something like, oh, the label um, want me to put out my next single, but they don't want it if, unless it has a feature. I don't know what to do, blah, 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 blah. Wow. I wow. was like, holy shit, Emanike, like, come chat about this. Come, yeah, break it down. Yeah, come break it down. This is important. People need to understand that 
And he needs to understand that people want an Eminem song. People like people probably have got a million Eminem songs already on yeah, their they iPod. Don't they, just, they don't even know. Like, I well, I I don't know about that situation, man. And I hope that whatever he puts out, like he's happy with. And, yeah, for and, real. And everyone's arrived. But like, that's a difficult thing. The the journey. The, I mean, it's quite an interesting point, man. Because the journey of when you write a song to then ever making it out to being released can take ages. Yeah. So for example, today, like Zach Abel's just put out a tune that I had the, the pleasure of co-writing with him. And I think we wrote that just over a year ago with the the king that is Stuart Zender of Jamiroquai. And I think like after we wrote it, we did a demo recording, then we track it properly. Then it sits in the label for a little while where they decide like, is this the right kind of thing to put out? Like it's so considered. Do you know what I mean? Like, Is I, it too I, considered? I think it varies. It varies from case to case. Like I think that it can be too considered. And I think that that process can be really like detrimental to an artist. Because say, for example, I know of some artists that signed record deals maybe two, three years ago, and then the record label is like, brilliant, let's get to work on an album. And that process is often writing anywhere between 50 and 300 songs. 300? It, right. I know of Why people do you say 300? Because I, I know of people that like, and I'd hate, I can't, I'd hate to say like, <laughs> names to polarize anyone, but I know that like, imagine that. Imagine writing 300 songs and every one that you take back to your record label gets met with this like it doesn't have to be that like, negative or even super positive but a kind of muted like yeah brilliant nice one let's let's keep them going let's have some more oh. after 300 of those how would you feel like i don't know if i just don't after know three anymore. right after <laughs> yeah right you know the deal you write songs like, yeah. and you can get part in that thing where it muddies the waters too much stuff like so you know i don't think zach had that problem with this tune that we put have just have just put out today but it certainly gets put in a pile of lots of other tunes and then i guess that becomes clearer right and this is an interesting for me thing for me to think about because say you write a song on day one with somebody, it's really hard to tell sometimes. Like, is this great? Is this terrible? I don't know. I got to sit on it for a couple of weeks and listen to it again, yeah. and then I'll know. Do you know what I mean? So, but I think that like the dangers for artists, they're like you do that three hundred times. Oh, man, give me a year off. Like you know, that's I'm I'm upset thinking about that. It's hard, but then again, this is the state of the music industry at the moment is that less money going around, right? So. Yeah. Things than there was like you know 20, yeah, yeah, 30 yeah, yeah, years yeah, yeah, yeah. ago so with that in mind people are they're considering their their moves a little harder right if an artist comes through um it's know, becoming they, more tactile yeah a lot more and i think that labels are considering much harder about like okay look if we're going to put this tune out we're going to have to spend x amount of money on it we really got to make sure we're, we're doing the right things here so if that you disseminate that down to a creative level it's really hard to like put the right foot forward. And I heard a brilliant record producer say to me the other day, like there is a lot of exceptionally talented producers and writers in London, like making the wrong choices to put food on the table. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's going to happen, man, because it's dog eat dog out here. Not a lot of music's coming out. So a lot of people doing it. And I can't blame young people that want to, you know, be in this industry that are making these, these choices for money. Like I, I, wish it wasn't the case but we got to eat and that's just an interesting thing that i've been pondering on for for the last week you know i'd love to be able to have enough in the bank to like make every piece of music i wrote just like a purely creative exercise mm. of only doing what i want to do but you know you're going to go to like you know young people coming up now going to university and paying loads and loads of money to study music like you're going to get out on the other side and you've got to make bread like mm. So these things will happen, but then are they sacrificing food on the table in the short term for what could potentially be a feast on the table in the long term? Though, no? yeah, potentially. 
but then to get to that feast, man, what are you going to do? Starve all the way to the feast? <laughs> you might starve before you get there. You know, do you know what I mean? And I see, I see that happen to a lot of people, like a lot of people. And I've certainly personally written songs over the last couple of years that I look back on now and think like, ah, did I, did I compromise what I love the most in this world music just to like get ahead in, in the business world? How does that know? feel? Like now looking back on it in hindsight, like it's mixed on one level, like any thing that I write that gets put out to the world, like I'm, I'm proud of, like if it made anybody feel something like happy, sad, whatever, then that's my dream. Right. On the other hand, like when I look back and I'm being a critic, like I know that some of the stuff I've done could be better or like mm. the world could have done with it never coming out at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But that's, yeah, that's hindsight and that's, you know, that's, we're always our own worst critics, isn't it? Of course. So you just got to let it fly and keep moving on and hope that everything you then go on to do has an integrity about it. I think if music's got integrity, you can't go wrong, man. It's true. I hope. It's true. <laughs> the universe creates a path for those with integrity. That's how I feel. Yeah? That's how I feel. Even though I pretty much change that quote every time I say it with whatever word applies, <laughs> the universe will always create a path for those who live honestly. The universe will always yeah, create dude, a path well, for... Yeah, I like it. It's colourful, man. It's it's, lyrical. It is true. It's pretty lyrical. It's adaptable as well. And you know why it's adaptable? Because it's true. <laughs> it's a universal law. So it fits for everything positive. Let's talk about the first time you put something out that really translated with people because that was your dream. Yeah, okay. Well, like me personally as an artist or like for a, for an artist... Mm, you personally uh, okay I guess that would like because you know I was in a band for a long time man, and we were always putting out put, well in fact we weren't always putting out music we really struggled to put out music but after I left that band and decided I was going to be a writer I think the first thing that came out of the back of that was a song that I did with Chase and Status about three years ago Black and Blue Black and Blue yeah big up to Chase and Status big they up really to Chase and Status there, yeah. big up to you that fucking song's incredible yeah, thank you very much man well those guys were really really just really cool and that really helped me in ways that i didn't didn't fully realize at the time but so there was a song that was that your first outing as a as a solo artist yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking hell you it started was, well yeah blessing what an absolute <laughs> blessing hey uh, but there was a time that i'd changed everything in my life i think i'd left the band i was in split up with the person that i was with for a long time um moved out of the house was in quit my job and it was that was a point of like i do not know what's going to happen to my life now how old are you uh 28 at the time some some midlife kind that of is midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I found that I was doing every day was just I think I had enough money to live for like a month so I was like, I'm just going to write a song a day and see what happens and the people that managed me very graciously were putting those songs around Jason Status picked it up I I never intended to be an artist man I never intended to be the singer on that track or anything I'm not on in front of the camera guy like I don't want to be it's not me um, so I thought they'd get someone else to re-sing it and as the project went down the line, they didn't. And my voice was always left on it. And that kind of started a bit of a thing for me. Like That makes me so happy though. Yeah? That makes me Big. so... We would have never met. Yeah, very true. Very true. Well, this is it. Like, this is... I have so much to thank Chase and Status and all the people involved in their project and everyone at Virgin Records and MTA for, for that because it, it started a ball rolling in my life that like made my dreams come true. So, yeah. And there you go. I get to meet great people like you, Kane. <laughs> oh, shh. Hey, shucks. <laughs> ah, shit. <laughs> it's all emotional and open here. Totes. But how does that feel when it comes out and people are really resonating? Like, it's really resonating with people. And especially with someone who was in a band and it was kind of like, not not anonymous, but like, yeah, I it wasn't Ed Thomas. No, but it still isn't. I'm always a behind the scenes guy. But okay. Well, it is. It is Ed Thomas because... 
I pretty everyone I know knows you pretty much. I think like in the in the music scene in London to a certain extent, like perhaps that's true, and I like that is a blessing for me. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But um, when it's I earned, put that, so it's not really a blessing. I don't, I don't know, man, because there's a lot of really talented people out here not getting like the lucky breaks that perhaps true. they could like. So it's you got to, like, I'm thankful for it every day. But when that song came out in particular, it was a tough one because do you know what I mean? Sometimes when you're writing those songs and Black and Blue is just about being in love with somebody that perhaps doesn't love you back man and that was going on in my life at the time like so when that came out and I heard it on the radio it was this real thing like man I feel like somebody's ripped a page out of my diary and and read it like on daytime radio one so at first like I'm happy that the music's out there and like really buzzed about that that's a dream come true secondly feel really embarrassed (laughs) you never think about it like that well you don't do you but like that's also when you know perhaps that you're writing a song that's good because it's honest and it means something to you and you've got to be like that. You can't front in music, I don't think. And whenever, well, you, sorry, you can totally, man. There's a lot of like boisterous behavior that goes on in hip hop and a lot of like, other kind of things. Me personally, I, I can't do that. Like, But that's my character. So when that song came out, like it was both trepidation and like excitement. That's interesting to think that actually these are not, imp- uh, you use the word embarrassing yeah I'm that guy though man do you know what I mean yeah I guess <laughs> you were a humble guy and you and private as well I, behind, like, yeah a behind yeah. The, you said a behind the, the scenes kind of guy so to then have your most important moment of your life and the moment that changed your life there you go smashed out to the whole world is kind of like oh, holy shit yeah but then that's a good way to start because if you started writing a song that you look back on and go actually you know what that's not really as much as me as much of me as it could have been, mm, mm. maybe your whole Dead Thomas right now could have been so much different. Yeah, big time, big time. And I think like for artists coming up doing doing this thing, don't, like you're gonna wanna chase things that other people are doing. You're gonna wanna write things that are like current. You're gonna listen to what's on the radio and think I gotta be that. I gotta be part of that crew. That's how you're gonna do things. Do whatever you got to do, but be honest about it and always do you. And don't be afraid to walk your own path because these record labels and the whole industry is constantly looking, constantly on SoundCloud, waiting for that new hype for somebody to be bold and different. And then all of a sudden, you're the new cool. Do you know what I mean? Like, and so you you got to be out there. You've got to be out there being brave and being honest to yourself. Because like, otherwise, uh, you know, we owe it to music to a certain extent. I know there's plenty of people that are out there just to try and make coin. Like... And do you do you that's cool man but like not for me not personally and i'd say to anybody coming up like stay true to what is you mm. only you can do that do you know what i mean hey be you hey be you guy. be you man because do you just be, do you you're unique. be beautiful <laughs> damn i'll be interviewing you about songwriting in a year man like. fucking hell <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know what to say about that <laughs> it's true bro I hope you're right. Yeah, so do I. So you put out Black and Blue. Yep. Actually, I want to just step back a little bit. Let's go back. How long were you in your band for? Uh, Gentleman's Dub Club, I was in for seven years. First of all, big up Gentleman's yeah, Dub Club. Big up this, each and every. If you don't know that about That is not Gentleman's a small Club, time band. That is a, a there legendary... There is nine dudes there that are like ripping it up on an almost daily basis around it's this country. Cult and legends. the world. Like, yeah, if you, if you love live music and you love good vibes and you haven't seen Gentleman's Dub Club, get yourself out and see Gentleman's Dub Club. Touring this summer, I believe, at any reputable festival. I got paid for that plug. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm playing. That's guest list. Okay, <laughs> yeah. For the rest of your life, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but um yeah that was that was a great experience man and a real a real pleasure but i just got to a point where i i personally didn't I didn't think I was offering anything to the music anymore. Like I was writing an album with the guys and I'd written all these songs and I turned around to them and they were honest enough to me to just be like, yo, that's not really us, dude. And I was like, cool. Well, I don't really want to make you guys do something that isn't you just yeah. because I'm having a little bit of a creative <laughs> wonder. Like, no. Nah. So it was with love and the, the greatest of respect, I just decided to do my own thing. For, for better or worse is it difficult to make that decision yeah massively like I remember telling each of those guys individually that I was leaving the band and there's nine of nine of us fucking hell it must have took all dude, day dude it was like breaking up with nine girlfriends at the same time <laughs> and like I saw one of the guys I saw I've Tommy to the drummer yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I've got to call all of the girls in one day group like, text yeah group text oh no nah, I'm playing I'm playing whatsapp let everybody see no um I told the drummer, Tommy Evans. Now there's a guy, wicked songwriter, Tommy Evans, the drummer in both Gentlemen's Dub Club and Submotion Orchestra. Submotion Orchestra. Recognise these guys. Another incredible group. Um, I told him that I was leaving Gentlemen's Dub Club when we were both in the sauna at Clissold, yeah, the Clissold Park Gym. That was a tough one. Got pretty emotional. Is that why? Did you do it to hide the tears? Yeah. It's just sweat. It's just sweat, It's just sweat. Dude, it was crazy. I walked into the sauna. He's already there. There's just the two of us in there. It was like some sort of scene, deleted scene from The Godfather. It was cool. (laughs) We had a little cry and it was fine. (laughs) Mad, you actually had a cry? No, no, it was fine, man. Nah, you're lying. It it was a big man thing. It's fine. (laughs) I couldn't even imagine. So you put out Black and Blue. Yeah. The labels start snapping, surely. Yeah, like it was Virgin Records just off, offered me a deal before it came out. They they came through and like Chasing Status are great. Think about how many artists that have come through with Chasing Status. Plan B, like it's the first Matters, one I can think of. Yeah, Jacob Louis, Banks. big up Louis Matters. Pick up Louis each Matters and each and every, every goddamn like, damn time. Uh, his album's gonna, gonna yeah. His single is gonna blow your Woo! mind. Yeah, damn. We had a lot of fun. We wrote that. Um, I've written a few things with Louis and it's fun every single time. We always stop mid-afternoon for a bag of like Revels or something just to get the sugars up. Yes. You know <laughs> I cut out sugar three days ago. Did you? That's why I'm so like lethargic. You're not lethargic, bro. What, you, no sugars at all? Not not one. Not like, no no like fruit or anything? You Actually, I had a fruit? watermelon earlier. All right, yeah, that's Not cool. a whole watermelon. Oh, so boosh, but I don't, I don't count that as sugar. I'm that's talking not... about chocolate, sweets, yeah, Coke. Yeah. How is that? Because I love sugar. Them booky sugars. Um, It's hard. Sugars. It's proper hard. You know why I did it? Cause I, w- I felt like I didn't have control. Yeah. I felt like I was addicted. I am. Yeah, that's it. Sugar and caffeine, man. And I was like, how thing. can I be addicted, man? That's so weak. I'm not doing that no more. So I decided to kick the habit and I cut it out. It's very music business, dude. No, well, like it's I'll be eating yeah. kale, run, doom. Dude, people do. Like, again, another wonderful artist, Sinead. Sinead Harnett came through the studio the other day. I'd be lying if I said I didn't love Sinead Hartnett. Who, who, who doesn't? I'd be lying if I said I didn't fancy Sinead Hartnett. G, she's a G, like one of the most perfect voices out there. And she rocked through to my studio the other day with... A kale Yeah, it was, it was just roasted green vegetables with For a little sake. bit of salt, I think. I had a burger. Bro. <laughs> I felt like, awful. Oh, scene, safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Sinead. Which made me feel real bad. Like, um... What were we talking about? Labels? Yeah, labels. Yeah. Virgin Virgin Records came through, offered me a record deal. And like I was saying, man, I'm a behind the scenes guy, but there was something about everything that was going on at that time where, and the 16 year old in me being like, what, you're not going to take a record deal that's been offered to you by Virgin? I was like, no, it's cool. Let's yeah, do this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there were some really wonderful people there that we had some some really great ideas and these really great intentions. And I think that after I signed that, I then made the decision that I was going to be a songwriter as well as an artist at the same time. 
and work seven days a week, writing the whole thing. I moved out to the countryside to get a bit of focus, was coming into London to do sessions. And I think I just burnt myself out. I never got to make the album that I wanted to do because I was always concentrating on so many things at once. But then, you know, I, I don't know if that's such a bad thing because I, I'll still do my own music forever. But I think it's not so much for me about trying to do the major record thing. Like, if you're going to do that thing, like there's certain people that are made for it. They were born to be stars. We're born to share music with the, the world and be be like a, a mouthpiece. And I think particularly for me at the moment, I'm seeing there's a few people in this country doing that and doing that mm. real well. And mm. particularly for me at the moment, a, a young lady called Georgia Smith who's coming out. Now there's a person that I honestly believe as soon as I heard her sing was like, you're here, put on this earth to like, you have to make music. Do you know what I mean? To share that, to share that love with everybody, and you know, I have the pleasure of, of writing with her. I listened to Radio One for the first time in about seven years the other day, and she came on three times in one hour. Are you serious? Yeah, big up Radio One for big up Radio One for, for supporting that. Yeah, like that's amazing. And you know, Georgia's got so many fantastic things to come, and I just with each piece and each song that she she will play me or anything that we write, there's an honesty there that cuts through and is a vibe, and and that's somebody that should be on a you know, or in a position to share. It doesn't necessarily have to be on a major. I think that mm. like there's plenty of ways that people can become massive without them these days. But she has that quality of being able to spread spread music to the world. Like, and I'm really excited to to see that happen. As our radio one by the sound of things, like three times in an <laughs> hour. Like, I was yes. like, really? I was like getting sick of it by then. I was like, fucking hell. <laughs> I was like, I know this song, you know, I can just go on SoundCloud. Like they were just banging it hard. I was like, Brilliant. wow, it's amazing. Brilliant. Like they played Bonkers and Stormzy as well at the same time. I was like, this is crazy. All the exciting things coming out of it this just makes, Yeah, it just made me realize that it's actually real. You know, it's hard yeah. to kind of get out of your bubble a little bit and and then actually go to BBC One where you don't expect to hear that shit. Yeah. You yeah, expect yeah. to hear like, I don't really know. I don't listen to really one. But I expect to hear something different. I was just pleasantly surprised that Georgia was just there killing it and Stormzy and Bonkers. And I think even Wolfie, have you heard of Wolfie? I haven't, man. Excuse my ignorance. Just another girl from London who makes incredible music, but is in that same kind of circles, like the SoundCloud circles and the yeah. younger circles and stuff. Not like major label business or nothing. She was there as well. Like I need, to, I don't even know who it was who pushed the music. Well, Hugh, big up for that. Hugh... Hugh Stevens does does great things for new artists coming out. Like, well, yeah, big up that man. Then, yeah, but I don't know. If, I don't know if it was him, but he gets the credit for it. <laughs> so you burnt yourself out. Yeah, I think so, and I think that like that's going to happen to a lot of creative people. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, a harsh reality, isn't it? It's it like is. I said this to her uh, for some reason. It's not. She wasn't even creative. She was a lawyer. But I was. It's the same kind of thing. A Ooh. lawyer. She worked 101 hours in a week. Are you serious? Yeah. And I was like, you know, that's not sustainable. I was giving her basically all these life chats that she didn't nice. even want to hear. <laughs> and I was thinking, wait a minute, 101 hours a week. I probably, you probably put that much work in, 101 hours a week. I don't know if it's ever been that bad, but like, you know, I think with any job, if it doesn't, if, if that's it's 12 fun, hours, it's like 12 hours a day. It's 12, more, 13 isn't it? hours, a, 14 hours we'll a day. We'll get back on the maths on that one. We'll, we'll sit down with I don't do, I didn't get no qualifications <laughs> in really anything, <laughs> but definitely not maths. But yeah, are you gonna like look? Burnout's gonna be a thing that happens across the board. Like a lot of people working real hard out there. You could be a lawyer, a musician. You could work in Morrison's. We can all burn out. Like um, creatively, it's a terrible thing to happen because like, look, check it out. Music. When you're growing up, when you're doing things like anybody doing music, learning music, it's not a job. You do it because you love it. Like, do you know what I mean? And you'll probably do it because you love it and go and do stuff for free for years because it's music and it's love. Mm. So when you get into that position where what music's actually paying your your wages. Wow, wicked man like how blessed to like have a job that you love that doesn't even feel like work because it doesn't do you know what I mean exactly like 
And so when you're in that position and you're aware that the competition in this business is hard, you go to yourself, right, I'm not stopping now. I'm working two sessions a day, every day. I don't need days off and I don't need friends. Like, I'm just going to go. Three years in, you're like, <laughs> I need a little break, man. Like, you know? Three years, I would have, I think I would last six months. I mean, I think that like, I, I've sort of ebbed and flowed with some things. Like, I think I, I once went out to LA because I got asked to do something for for David Guetta on an album that he was doing a couple of years ago. And like lots of people are writing again, I think he had something like 250 tracks that made for for an album and they just get to pick the best. I didn't have to go to LA to do that. Like I got asked to do it and I could have done it on the internet, but I was just like, no, I'm gonna go out there. I'm really up for it. Just like enthusiasm the whole way. Landed back from that session. And I remember hitting the runway with like three months of sessions in my, my diary. And I was like, ah, oh, no, I don't know if I can do this. Like, And that feeling when that set in of like, oh, this is going to be hard. It just tore me apart, man. Music's never been hard for me. Like, or not as in like, it's it's always been something I've loved. I've never woke up and been scared about having to write music. And it was so hard to deal with that feeling. And it really took like good folk around me and, and other great writers to like help me through it. Someone like Maverick Sabre, a guy who is wise beyond his years when it comes to like writing and just generally and, life. Uh, yeah, and Do you know what I'm saying? And well. music, like, it's just an intelligent guy. I remember talking to him a lot at the time being like, how did you get through this? And he just gave me the wisdom. He was like, only play music that you're doing to a certain like crew of people that you really trust. They don't got to be in the, the mid the industry. They just got people that talk honest to you. Because I think sometimes there's the danger in the music business of everybody talks really kindly about each other. And you might, you know, like, and that sometimes, yeah, again, that's why I like you, G. Like, but I think that occasionally that can get into the territories of gassing people. And I think then if you're only ever getting told everything's great, it's dangerous, man. Yeah, mm. that's worse than being told everything's bad. Yeah. At least you know what to change and what not to do. Right. This is great. It's like, oh, fuck. All right, cool. I only play like stuff to like mates that I grew up with, like that aren't anything to do with music. They're just, yeah. you know, re regular dudes doing regular things. And, you know, if, if they hear something that I've done, if I play something to them and they tell me in the first 15 seconds that it's awful... I take a little bit of like, you're going to say that because you're my mates and we're always going to dig each other. Do you ever be like, like, you don't know shit? <laughs> no, never. No. But like occasionally, you know, like, you know, they're, they're going to come out with, yeah, that it's rubbish, whatever. And I usually take it from them. And then if they say something's great, then it means like, cool, this is probably really going to translate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so I think then that really helped me get through a little burnout thing because it helped me refocus. It helped me be like, oh, okay, well, like, I can trust in this song if like other people are feeling it too that I trust. But around that time, man, I was writing some awful music, some really, really bad music. And you can hear it in your manager's voice when they're listening to it. Like, yeah, yeah, you can yeah. see it in the eyes of the people you're in sessions with. And that only serves to make you feel worse. So the best thing you can do when you burn out, like, be good to yourself. Eat good, get early nights, exercise, stop writing music and don't make yourself feel bad, I think. I should be like a musical counsellor, innit? It's your fucking guru. Yeah, yeah. I come through, I just do little workshops, like... I genuinely might do that. <laughs> I'll help I'll, however I can it. help. Get a teepee out in Wales, man. Like, Listen, let's go to circles. Some, yeah, some forest. <laughs> yeah. Tibetan like sound healing. Have you heard, have you seen that shit? No, what's the deal? It's like sound healing. So like they put you in a room and then they put loads of Tibetan bowls around you and they play them in like a certain sequence. Yeah. And obviously you absorb the vibrations. These freak, yeah. And yeah. it just changes the frequency that you operate from. That sounds dope. Can I also recommend on a similar level going to something like um, University of Dub <laughs> at Scala for the, <laughs> for the same thing, man, or Sub Dub up in Leeds, like just for those those vibration healings, man. Nah, like, for real. Give it to you. Just right. play music real loud because it really will give you some kind of powers. Yeah, hell yeah. That's yes. actually weird when you think about it. It does give off vibrations, and your body works off a frequency, right? 
I'm oh, about that's, that. That's what weird. was Prince saying a little while ago about like the universe operates at like 430 something hertz? Hertz. Was that right? Isn't that really bassy? Four hundred because A A is four hundred and forty hertz and that's sort of concert standard tuning. And then if you mix that A is the bit, key of life. Oof. Is, is that it? what Stevie said? I don't know, is it? Because <laughs> no, no, Alicia Keys said that. Oh, is a it? minor, A minor. Songs in A minor. A minor is good. One of my favourite keys. G minor is nice as well, but this is a discussion for another day, man. <laughs> yeah, true. We're talking about life and ph- philosophies, <laughs> not technical and shit. <laughs> Why do you like to help people so much? To what? Why do you like to help people so much? Um, I don't know, man. I think that's life, isn't it? Like, life's hard enough. <laughs> yeah, true. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that, like, I, I had a really good experience of, like, teaching um, people music. Mm. Like, when I first moved to London, when, when I was in this band, I was also working with the Arts Council, like, helping, like, young people that might otherwise be like having a hard time like with education or employment or getting into trouble and just writing music with them. And I just swear that that's where the power of music is. We don't all have to grow up to be, you know, stars or Jay-Z or, or whatever. Like music can just be something that's for you, but it can give you confidence and give you an outlet in life to, to do things and be expressive. And that's the one for me, man. And I think that I get just as much joy from like seeing something I've written go out onto Radio One or whatever. Um, as I do with like just sitting with somebody that may, might have never made a drum beat before and then like taking them to somewhere with like some massive speakers and just be like, hey bro, let's play your beat that you've just killed. Yeah, and yeah. just to see that look of like, I did that, I achieved that. That's that's life, man. And I think that people in, in my family that maybe grew up, you know, generations above me that grew up having a hard time, they attribute to them getting through life and, and being who they are today because people helped them and gave them music and shared music with them. And so for me, that's that's music. That's the life right there. Being able to share music with other people. Yeah, I think that's what it's all about. So when I see people come through and I, I, I believe in or I trust, say for you, for example, right? You come through, you're doing music. Like I want to be involved. That there's something about your um, the music that you write and and your personality and the energy that you're putting into this, this business, this world that we're in, that I think, yeah, I got to be a part of that. And I don't, care at that point whether it's going to be a grammy award-winning thing or whether it stays on your hard drive for life because it's music and we've all got and i think it, i lost sight of that a little bit personally uh, a couple of years ago being in the business just striving to write a number one song and i just had to like clock myself over the last 12 months maybe being like that's not the be all and end all of life it would be lovely but like music is beyond that and i think that's really important what would you tell yourself two years ago if you sat on that sofa, <laughs> chill. <laughs> Don't work seven days a week. Like. No, but that's really like, the, it's such a good lesson to learn because when you're young, like when I played you that Billy Joel song, Vienna. Yeah. yeah slow yeah. down. You're doing fine. Yeah. You're way, way too ambitious for a juvenile. You've but got, it's, can you go, that's hindsight. That's hindsight saying that. Yeah. That's a man growing up after yeah, yeah, he's yeah. got his yachts and he's got his thing. <laughs> and like, and, you know, there's plenty of songs like that. There's one that John Martin wrote about Nick Drake called Solid Air. And it's just saying, dude, slow it down. But look, you're coming through in this business. Like you're possibly at the beginning of like what is hopefully a really amazing career and whatever you decide to do. And you know, as much as everybody else in this industry that I work with, that you got to be 120% the whole time. Yeah. No doubt, because the competition is hard and it's what this industry demands of you. It does great things to keep quality high, but it also means that like we're all going for this. It took me 
working in music maybe like after university seven or eight years to get where I really wanted to be and that was hard work and and now telling yourself to like slow down is a, is a tough thing to do because you're not used to it yeah do you know what I mean like it's like zero to a hundred but a hundred to zero yeah how do you do that how do you, you do slam that? on the brakes you feel like you're just gonna smash your face off the windscreen right and then like go hospital <laughs> like, and then you have to chill out then you gotta chill out but that's what happens I remember hearing about people in the 90s like people much older than me that were doing that like working in cycles of like hitting the studio for six months making themselves real ill like for whatever like studio life can like not be the healthiest sometimes mm. going hospital for a month and then back and that's no way to live man well my last well I guess I had a couple weeks ago Phil Griffin legendary director mm, mm. Um, he said that he was at a point where he was shooting video two videos at the same time he'll book out a studio block of like loads of different studios and he said he had sugar babes in one room wow and in the next room he had like hearsay or some shit wow. and he was shooting two videos at the same time and he said like a couple weeks later he had a heart attack oh my like his heart stopped he like died on the table and shit um and then like they brought him back and he was like he went into his production office and was like i'm gonna help you all find new jobs Oh, as of up. today I'm closing the office and I'm doing my own thing and I have no idea what the fuck is going to happen and then he said and that is when I got good wow wow when you allow yourself to okay so look I can I can relate to the guy there maybe at a point where like your career is just absolutely going off and everyone wants a piece and you've worked so hard to get to that point you're not turning anything down mm. but then what are the expense of, of everything of your existence <laughs> really, like yeah. no man so wow what a brilliant thing but I feel that like being creative and expressive the best stuff's gonna come when you're at ease when you're when you're not feeling the pressure and so that's yeah that's amazing to hear like minus the heart attack bit like it'd be great if that whole thing could have happened that realization yeah. without having to nearly die like you know i don't know though. i feel like near-death experiences are actually i feel like my life i don't even think i've realized it at the time but my life changed when i had a near-death experience what why you tell me about this when you nearly what went down there well, basically, I was in like a car thing. The tires blew out on the motorway. We went spinning across the motorway. And then the car was like on its side on the M25 at uh, 7 p.m. Uh, like, you know how busy the M25 uh, is at 7 p.m.? This is like a nightmare. Yeah, exactly. So the car's on its side and I look to my left here and an Arctic lorry mm, is coming straight for my door. Mm, bruv. Uh. And somehow the car just rolls gets clipped on the back, rolls into the hard shoulder and it's just completely fine again. Wow. But the moment before that lorry came to me, I saw it and it was just coming straight at me. And do you know what I felt? Just bare happy. Wow. Wow. I was so happy. It was like coming towards me and I, I was like, in my head, I was laughing. I was like, oh shit, this is how it happens. All right. You're either brave or exceptionally content, dude. Like, <laughs> at that time I wasn't content I was like a hungry 19 year old I had like quote unquote love of my life driving the car wow. like we were had our own place in London and shit like life was really popping I was at university <clears throat> or whatever and I was about to die Wow. and all I had was a feeling of content and I was like I'm ready let's go let's do this wow, so wow. then when that didn't happen I didn't even realise I was traumatised for like up until a couple months ago when it really hit me and I was like holy shit that was when everything changed. My gosh. Like, I, w I was ready to die and I didn't die. So I had to rebuild myself from there. Man, I can't even imagine. It that. was crazy, but I didn't even realise. Like, I didn't realise. Hindsight told yeah. me that. But at the time, everything was normal. But that's no small feat to look death in the face and be whole and true 
and say, I'm ready to die. Take me. Dude, I'm, I couldn't do that. Take I, me. I'm gone. Rah. But this is the weird thing. My best friend on Christmas Eve, I think it was like a year to the exact same day that it happened to me. My best friend flipped his car and it like landed in the river. And he said when he was flying through the air, I was like, what did you feel? And he was like, happy. He was like, I was ready to go. Like I, I was, I was ready. And he called me after he got out of the car and we just both laughed. Rah. And I was like, holy shit. So then like, I had like a mushroom binge <laughs> which gave me the hindsight and that's, that's actually the first time i've ever mentioned on this podcast about psychedelics um, okay nice nice so yeah but um <laughs> yeah that made me that gave me the hindsight to realize that and then so i went on twitter and i was like has anyone had a near-death experience holler me so like, a couple of people did i spoke to them all in the dms and they all said they felt the same thing they said they was ready like they wanted to go and then when they didn't go they were like holy shit what now what the fuck and I was wow. like, wow, man. Would you put that one into a song, you reckon? I think we should try. <laughs> yeah, I'm up for it. But honestly, it's like, it's still something that, not that I'm coming to terms with, because I don't really think that it affects me now, but I just, yeah, it's just weird having to understand that you had to like rebuild yourself. Yeah, yeah. I can I can only imagine, dude, because that, yeah, what a, what a massive experience. I've not had anything like that. And I mean, touch wood. I probably dress it up and make it sound luxurious. It was it was horrific. Dude, at the of time. course it's horrific. You nearly died, bro. Like, <laughs> damn. But I think you know, you saying that, I certainly see in a lot of creative people across the board, like a lot of people, like think art comes from sort of pain or suffering. And so historically, a lot of people have made themselves feel bad or feel something. Do you think that feel, works? I, I don't know. I think it's really dangerous because like, people want to put themselves in that headspace that's sort of quite self-destructive at points. Is it victimizing also, almost? I think there's a culture perhaps of like people, I, I don't know, I, I say this hesitantly, but like, like to be a victim. Like people like to say they're busy. No, that's true. People like to, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, oh, I'm so busy. I'm so like, busy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, or like, you know, it's, it's, or, you know, it's safer to play a victim than it is to play an oppressor or like a, an attacker. Do you know what I mean? But there's something about like melancholy or people feeling that in music that helps them to write or feels that that's mm. the energy they should express. And I think some people can get caught in that and they can end up really doing themselves some harm. Like I had some guys come through, some really cool guys called Star One came through to my studio the other day and they're like a duo of like sort of dance music. Yeah. But quite sort of broad and they're wicked. And they have a really good song out now. Yeah, with Takura that they wrote, right? Yeah. Forgive me because I can't remember the name. I can't but, remember the name. But yeah, they're wicked. Great energy, like really positive guys. And it's almost like the opposite of what we're talking about there, about looking for the sort of the melancholy. They don't at all. They come they in. They look and, for the, 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 the vibes, joy and the, the vibes. Pure, yeah. the joy vibes. And they're joyful people and they're a, they're a real pleasure to work with. And they came in to me and were just like, Ed, man, we just want something that's cool and light and people are going to like enjoy singing in the clubs. And I was like, all right, wicked. And that really polarized it for me there. It's like, Ed, man, this isn't going to be some like, let's talk about all the cigarettes I smoked last night thinking about you. Do you know what I'm saying? This is going to be like a cool, let's go out and sunshine vibes. And it, I, I hadn't written a tune like that in a couple of weeks. And I really was grateful for them to come in and give me those vibes because it made me realize that there's this whole other side of music <laughs> there really in is. life that really we should be exploring as much as we go into the, the soul searching thing. And that, yeah, yeah, that helped. But I, yeah, it's super dangerous, man. It's so weird because music, I don't, I don't know. My emotions are quite dormant a lot, unless it's like, mm. um, like a passionate, 
about something. You know, when you get passionate. And you, it's mm. not anger, but it is anger. It's like, oh, yeah. I really want blah, blah, blah. This is anger me and I want to make change or whatever. That's the only real emotion that I feel until I make music. And then it's like, I have to feel something. So let me think about something. And then it just comes out melancholy anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but is that like, is that a thought process that you're conscious of? Do you, do you deliver when you think, right, right, it's, it it's music be. time now. It let might me think be. about what I want to feel. Do you go to these things? My mum said this to me. I played a couple songs to my mum and she was like, have you got anything like a bit upbeat? A bit happier. And I went, mum, like, I don't really have much to celebrate if I'm honest. And then she was like, yeah, but you know, not everything has to be questioning life. Not everything has to be so sad. Like, Bruv, from your mum. <laughs> and I was mom. like, I was looking at her and I was like, oh, fuck you, mum. <laughs> <laughs> Love my work, mum. I did the same. Dude, it's interesting you used to say that. I did a song called Love is Red um, maybe a couple I months ago. Loving is red. See, I should have got you on the BVs, Kane, quite. Uh, <laughs> if anyone asks, I'm in there. But I, just, I played that to my parents and... Um, like with just a really muted response like yeah never gonna say anything bad to me they're yeah, saints yeah. and angels like but they, they weren't gonna say anything like yeah really love it but cool like it, it, looking in hindsight it's not like a bit of a i'll pop it on while i'm in the car and just have a nice little sunshine drive that's a proper like let's it's a ballad you yeah, let's drink some red wine and like stare at a candle for a little while do you know what I mean? get, the, get the scrapbook out yes <laughs> um and so, yeah, my parents couldn't dig that. And now I, I make, you know, I feel super embarrassed when I play anything to anybody. Yeah. And so that was kind of, that was a hard one. Oh yeah, it's, it's really, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's great, Ed. Anyway, what else have you got? <laughs> Safe, mum. In it, proper. Safe. <laughs> nice one. Um, I, I feel like, I don't want to stretch it out too long. Mm -hmm. I feel like you've just got so much worth saying. What do, what do we need to say? What do we need to polarize? What do we need to talk about here? Do we need to talk about the, the people coming through? Do we need to talk about? Well, we spoke about talent? Stormzy, Georgia, uh, Zach, Louis. We've spoken about a lot ground. of people. Okay, who else is out there that we really need to shout about? We've done Sinead, obviously. She's a. Ah, uh, this is where Esper, obviously. Esper, there you go. Powerhouse, like she's yeah, incredible artist. Like, there's got a lot of strings to the bow. Like one of these jazz and classically trained heroes that's going to come out and we were both at her show the other day at Hoxton we right. were when she silenced a sold out room uh, when she did her Craig David cover right yeah. <laughs> ah stop it and her man on the keys playing some fruity jazz like killer yeah she's definitely one see. to look out for she is a um, like a the, the kind of singer you would expect to sing a Bond song yeah, yeah, with ease. Esper's Esper going to sing a Bond song at one point. I'm going to go to the bookies and put that on. Yeah, do it. Good odds. Nah, I can see it. I can see yeah. it. <laughs> I fully see it. She's such like a Bond girl, like a oh, long dress, hair over her, like yeah, Jessica class. Rabbit. It's a class operation she's running there. Yeah, that's it. She's classy. When we're on the class tip, Aquilo, man. Aquilo are very fucking sick. Aquilo. I saw you was in with them the uh, other day. I was in with Aquilo and I was happy just being a fan, man. Like those boys it's just something else like that in fact makes you like being a songwriter kind of hard because if you're going through to people that you love it, and i just feel a bit intimidated sitting in a room with those guys because it's just like to be honest lads i kind of want to be you <laughs> so, like, so yeah they're a pure class operation i think there's a lot of there's a lot of great talent in london and there's there's so much like it's scary sometimes hard to keep up like i used to be the guy with music i know about everyone i'm only talking about three months ago right three yeah. months ago i know about everyone 
Yeah. I've been doing my own thing for like three months or whatever and just trying to herd up the people I already know about. Three months down the line, I feel like I fucking know no out one. Out of touch. Dude, I'm out of touch. It's been three months. Because things move so quickly. And I think it's hard, man, as a listener now, just being a fan, like I'm trying to keep up with everything that's like, and I've started to ignore the like, what is supposed to be cool or what is that. It doesn't really affect me anymore because mm. it shouldn't. Music should just be what you feel and what it makes you feel. So when you step out for three months and then try and get back in, like, man, take a weekend. Like, it's going to take you a weekend of, like, listening to everything and drinking yeah, it in. For real. And I think that what is brilliant about the internet age now, man, when we're talking SoundCloud, when we're talking all of these things and how easy it is to maybe set up a record label, get your own music out there, I think it's wicked. And I look at people like Bondax and Karma Kid and... And a lot of people, you know, pro producers that basically grew up, the first age of producers growing up with the internet. You could sit in your bedroom with the tools on your computer to like smash out a banger, like, and with the internet being able to listen to anything from any time. Anytime. You can listen to the first recording of any audio ever. Ever. On and YouTube. then sample it <laughs> and then put a massive donk behind it. And then before, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it was so. And so when I got the the privilege to work with people like Karma Kid and Bondax and a lot of artists that surround them. I was hearing things that I just didn't expect to hear. It like it blew blew me to bits basically because it's like you're mixing that with that. Super creative, like not at all pretentious in my in my mind. And I thought that was wicked. And now what I hope that people across this country and beyond realise is that you don't have to like play party to how the music industry works in London. Mm. You can sit in your in your student bedroom or whatever you can knock it out from wherever man as long as you are putting it into the to the right places or you know trying to get it out there and heard you don't need anybody else and i think that is wicked it's wicked for music it's wicked for young people coming through you know in a world that is harsh and unfair and uneven music has the, the risk of being like only something that people that can afford to go and be songwriters can do do you see what I'm saying? Like, if you want to go and be a songwriter, it's not like you get paid to go into every session. Like, you have to be able to sustain yourself until maybe something works. Mm. That has the risk of meaning that it prices certain people out of the game. But the internet, hopefully, does something to level that. Do you know what I mean? If yeah. you can, like, get there, make your tunes and put them out there, and it doesn't matter where you are, where you're from, what you got, what you don't have. Like, you're judged as you on the internet. And I love that. I think that's wicked. Do you ever think, like, ah? Uh, all these people say how great I am and all these people love me and all these people want to work with me and shit. Do you ever think, why am I not bigger than I am? Mm, no. Like, thank you, first of all. Like, <laughs> that's really kind of you to say. But no, dude, like, it, because for people to, like, know who I was, I'd have to, to shout about myself. Or, like, you know, that's not always the case. Like, some people, like, you know, James Blake, the, the gentleman that we speak about every time. Every we time see we see each other. Like, from what I understand, and I don't know the chat, but he doesn't like the limelight and steps back from it. And so what but we he have He hates there, it. He right? makes songs about how much he hates it. Beautiful. And so what we have there is his music delivered to the world from what I can work out is a very like humble and, and modest yeah, chat, yeah. which we've covered these guys. <laughs> like, um, and I love that. That's how I, I like things to be and, and music to be. Let the music speak and let me like question everything else and let me wonder. Like, I don't need to know like, what was it in your cereal this morning on Instagram? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Um, I just didn't, that's a path I chose not to walk, like having the limelight. Um, and it's not something, yeah, that I'd, I'd, I really long for. And so like, I don't even think I've got a thousand followers on Twitter, man. And I, it doesn't bother me. You fucking better have after <laughs> this. If you're listening to this, you better go follow it. Do, do not, like, it's not something that concerns me, man. Like, yeah, I just, yeah. It's not something to worry about, right? Like, 
I hope. And there's people out there, if it does bother them, that they want to be noticed, cool. Take that hunger, run with it. And make like, sure you do something good do something if you get it. Be positive, yeah, put out the good energies and good luck to you. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm behind the scenes and I like that. What are you going to do for the rest of the year? What, what is it now? Like April? April, April the 1st, spring. I'm going to vibes out spring real hard. I, I Hopefully I'm going to... I'm going to spring clean myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spring, <laughs> spring clean my life. mind, yeah. Um, I'm going to hopefully work on some projects that mean a lot to me. Like uh, and get, get involved in some albums of some people I've been working with for a, a little while. Um, I think doing doing lots with Georgia Smith throughout the rest of this year and Zach Abel, Louis Matters, things that I really like. And I'm going to put out my own music just for the love of it. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not, you know what, like, there was somebody said something on Twitter the other day, I can't remember who it was, uh, but they were like, a lot of people want to claim that they want to put out the music, that they want to put out and not hear love or, or get support from anybody else, but then complain when nobody co-signs to them. I think it's a really difficult thing to do. You want to be bold enough to put out your own music and be prepared for 10 people to listen to it on week one? <laughs> then I think you've got to be there because coming out from that angle, you're going to make bold, creative decisions. you just got to be brave with it, Yeah, yeah. I think. So my year is going to be that. Spending a little time with my lovely manager, Harry Devnish, over here. Big man, we're going to hang. What's going on, brother? Nice to meet you. Uh, Finally, actually, yeah. nice to meet you. We spoke over emails a lot. Big, you good? You can, <laughs> you can talk, you can add vibes to the podcast. Yeah, have you got a little badge on your coat there? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, sorry, the rest of the year. Right, Caslo, wicked London songwriter, once said to me he was going to do a year where he only wrote 10 songs and make those 10 songs be absolutely killer. Holy and I shit. fully believe Cas could go and kill that. But I want to take a little bit of that this year. I want to only do a few things and kill it. And that makes me think actually Lily or Ava Lily, there's an artist that I feel is going to come out and be quite sound. I just produced her EP for her that's coming out hopefully sometime this year. And it's the first time I've been and produced the whole thing for anybody else. Shit. So I'm excited to see what happens with that. Like, but the rest of the year, I don't know, man. Maybe go and live by the seaside as well. Get some of those vibes Don't go to in. Bournemouth. Don't go to Bournemouth. Because <laughs> you lose love. your mind. It's all love for Bournemouth. Or man. maybe you want to lose your mind. I don't know. You know what? I think actually planning the rest of your out is when you're a musician or a songwriter or anybody creative, it's a really hard thing to do. It's hard to see three months ahead of you. Yeah, I you know what I mean? to see like a couple of days ahead. Like, yeah. And I think that's cool. Sometimes you've got to surrender to that. Yeah. Like I me. think one day in the future, like long term, I'd love to... I'd love to do what Chase and Status have done and set up a music college for young people to come through and give the opportunities that maybe they didn't have. I had a lecturer at my university teaching me music. The first thing he said in his lecture was, if you can't afford a MacBook Pro on this course, you shouldn't be here. And I was like, forget this guy. Just forget this guy. That's not what it's about. Like, And so I'd love to be able to be part of something that's anti that. Do you know you what I mean? You get yourself a fucking little Zoom box, a little H2, plug one microphone yeah. in one channel, plug... Go. Your keyboard in the other channel. Like, come on. Do your thing. Pagan. Be, yeah. Pagan. Actually, how can I have one of the best fucking songwriters in this country on the podcast and not actually talk about songwriting? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. We let's can edit a lot of the other stuff out, bro. Like, I, don't, I don't edit nothing out. Nothing <laughs> oh, gets cut out. Um, the longer the better because it makes people have to listen again and again and again and then I get more clicks. I don't want to bore dudes, but like, yeah. All right, songwriting. Let's go. Songwriting process. You sit down. Let's talk about when you work with other people, because we've actually spoke about how you approach yourself. Mm -hmm. You come in, someone comes in you've never met before and you are about to write a song. What happens then? Chill, catch vibes. 
like make people relax it's a tough thing to do if you're the artist coming in yeah like you probably feel um a little nervous a little tense like actually let's change it yeah you're a songwriter at home by yourself and you're struggling to write songs let's, oh wow let's change that because i think that's more beneficial okay then, yeah if that's what people are going to relate to yeah, yeah right yeah. first of all take de-stress take the stress away from it like burning incense burning incense do go for a walk have an apple like <laughs> like one yeah just smile like it's cool um <laughs> Adam F, wicked drum and bass producer like, and legend of the scene once told me that like, before you start music, listen to something you love, like catch vibes. Like I hear stories that Calvin Harris used to bring in like a little mini light rig to a studio and just like vibe out, like regardless, on his own with people, just, just feel great. And then sit down. A great thing to try and think about what you want to write about is, is one way to start. And you might want to start there and write a little paragraph of like, you know, what do they call it on the back of a book? Like, um, synopsis. Yeah, write like, you know a tiny or a little blurb. couple of lines a little blurb man write yourself a blurb um and then work off that blurb it's a story it might be like a little scene in a film do you know what i'm saying yeah or another like i think it's all about just these little ways of starting or something get that vibe going and the rest will take care of itself so write a little synopsis that's one idea um find a music video on youtube take the sound off watch it in mute try and pin a story onto it do you know what i'm saying like um think about a character in a film like I got, when I was over in LA doing some songs for someone, I was at a studio and there was a lot of songwriters went into this place. And above the door it said, thinking about writing another love song today? Like maybe don't do that. And so then they had a list of bullet points of other things you should try. And they were like, okay, uh, imagine you're a character in a film. Then imagine you're that character's like mobile phone. What do you hear that day? Do you know what I mean? And it was just like these weird things that made you think about something else. I ended up writing a song about what would it be like to be Clint Eastwood's gun? like oh, in a western like and it's almost like the gun having a conversation back to Clint Eastwood be like look I got you I'll look after you so it was like this kind of like maternal kind of thing going on do you know what I mean and so I think anything that's going to throw you out of your comfort zone wicked David Barry and Eno used to write loads of words down cut them up and then just rearrange them like on the floor like get physical with it like that's that's sometimes a good way other times man just sit at the piano and pour your heart out just whatever's in there do you know what I mean and the most important thing, there's no wrong answers. Don't let anybody tell you that there's a certain way to write a song. Do you? Do you know what I mean? So basically, just disregard everything that I just said. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Don't listen to me. Go listen to somebody like, you know, if, if, if you're that way inclined, go listen to some Kate Bush. Whenever I'm feeling like, oh my God, I don't know how to write a song today. I listen to Kate Bush and I realise that like... Fiona Apple as well. Someone yeah. I love listening to. Or like, or Paul McCartney. You ever seen an interview with Paul McCartney yeah, where have. he looks at all stressed about like anything? He's just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah and so Paul I just McCartney wrote the best song ever. About his shit. I love that attitude. That's when the stuff's just going to flow out of you. I know when I've sat down and I've really tried to, you know, I'm going to go in and write a hit today. I'm going to smash this. It's always bad in my experience, but that's just me, you know? Um, but yeah, the most important thing, don't don't stress about it. Don't let it get you down because it ain't going to serve you well, I think. <laughs> I, I think that's more than helpful. Last question I'm going to ask you. Yeah. If you knew then what you know now, would you have ever started? Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, man, look, being a songwriter is an absolute dream. I'm I'm literally grateful for every second I spend doing it. It's you get up days and down days. It's hard to deal with the down days. You live your dream, like having a bad day like can really can really knock you because how can a dream be at all bad? Like, but I wouldn't change what I have now for the world. Like, I probably make a couple of more sensible decisions like do you know what i mean but wouldn't we all like you can't regret any of it i don't think like yeah i maybe wouldn't have been involved with a couple of like 
business decisions that I made. <laughs> like, I don't know why I look over, but like, yeah, yeah. Look out for that. If you're a young aspiring musician getting this thing, represent yourself well. Like, that's about the only thing. But no, no regrets, dude. As a great man Dappy once said. <laughs> Did he? Did I just inadvertently quote Dappy? You just quoted well, Dappy. Well, respect Dappy because you got it right, bro. <laughs> Ed. Sir, it's been a pleasure. Oh, you just clipped my fingers. Just What's broke with hand. Strong grip. It's man's handshake, bro. Ed's mad that he doesn't have more than 1,000 followers on Twitter. So make no, sure you... No, no, no. <laughs> don't, don't follow me. Make sure you, you follow him at Ed Thomas Artist. Yeah, he's too kind. And go on his Instagram time. as well because he's got bare pictures of pianos and that. And Zach Abel. <laughs> so if you think Zach Abel is good to look at... <laughs> follow him also at Ed Thomas Artist. SoundCloud. I don't know. I don't, don't know. It's again? Same just again? search Ed Thomas. It's going to come up, isn't it? Um, but if you've never heard of Ed before, go and listen to his black and blue acoustic version because it's fucking amazing. Dang, you're too kind, G. No, nah, it's just too good. It's too good. Um, do you want to play piano? You know, I actually make everyone play piano on the way out, but yeah. on the recent episodes, I haven't had a piano to play. Let's do it. Oh, yes. I'm gonna. We're not gonna mic it up. I'm literally gonna walk over with this microphone and hold it next to you. Yeah, alright, wicked. I don't think I'm gonna sing. We can just have a little jam. I don't want you to sing. Sorry. Good. <laughs> I don't want you to sing. <laughs> alright, let's just let's just knock out some chords, man. You can't play somebody else's song. You have no, to no, no. We're song. just gonna. This is just gonna be all off the top. Good. Alright. He says. <laughs> ridiculous you'll find that on the outro of my album coming out in stores in two weeks haha <laughs> april 4th <laughs> safe <laughs>